0: There is an old saying, happy body, happy mind. And today on my podcast, I'm gonna discuss the nutritional benefits for your mental health and your physical health with Sammy. From my experience of being one of Sammy's clients, her knowledge is next to none in terms of nutritional benefits for your mental health and physical health. Sammy is an elite performance nutritionist and a rising star within her space. Before becoming an independent nutritionist, Sammy worked for March on for two years down at Harpenden. I'll provide all of Sammy's links to her social media so that you can get in contact with her after the podcast. Sammy, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate for having it. Firstly, I just want to talk about how we kind of know each other. And, you know, obviously, I was one of your clients think about six months ago now down at March on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's helped me massively and I was just pulling up here on my computer a few bits that you sent to me and okay. but yeah no it's been that's awesome been so nice. tell us a bit about yourself and uh, yeah you so
1: I as you said I'm a performance nutritionist I started off um, I think it's been about three years now um, I, I did economics at uni so nothing related mm-hmm. um, but I started playing rugby got really into rugby and wanted to do everything I could just to be the best player, and that's when I started to get into nutrition. So um, I've always found like food fascinating, always loved cooking, um, and it was at uni when I just first started to take it a little bit more seriously. Um, tried a few things, some like definitely diet culture mishaps along the way, yeah. um, but that was definitely the thing that kind of sparked my interest. Um, yeah, then I, I decided just to pursue it a little bit more, um, went into marketing, but decided that definitely wasn't for me. Mm. And that's when everything kind of started. Um, I then joined, yeah, March on, it was over two years ago, was there for a couple of years. That's where I met you, um, and we we're looking at nutrition to support your rugby. Um, and just, yeah, everything's kind of gone from there. I yeah. uh, just love all things performance nutrition, whether it's like an, just a, a casual weekend warrior up to elite professional athletes, mm. um, just supporting them, getting the most out of their performance and getting them playing and feeling good.
0: Yeah, love that. How long have you been doing this officially now? Performance nutrition.
1: So I think it's been about three years. About three um, years. It started off more like Gen Pop, just a lot of yeah. like body composition changes. Um, but I mean, I came from rugby, so it's all all kind of. I've always loved that that side of it, and um, just had the opportunity to work with some some cool people, and just that's that's where I want to take things now with my own business, working with yeah a range of athletes, mainly in rugby football. Um, marathons ultras but yeah team sports being being the most rugby and football being the, the majority um and then yeah few crossfitters but mainly getting into to team sports and hopefully yeah continue yeah. to go that way i
0: love that and obviously just speaking from personal experience i couldn't recommend you more of anyone watching this is looking for a yes. performance nutritionist or just some advice here and there sammy obviously has her own Company now called Scoop Scoop yeah. Nutrition Scoop Nutrition, Scoop yeah. nutrition love the name, but um, yeah. So Sammy and Sammy and I met down at March on um, down in Harpenden, and March on has done wonders for me—not M- physically, but oh, sorry, physically, but also mentally. And it's um, it's something I really treasure in terms of a place, in terms of the people I've met, um, in order to get my mental health in a better state, as well as my physical health for playing rugby, and. Worked with Sammy down there and what we talked about before is just setting up plans for me, quick, easy plans, especially when I was at uni and trying to make like food at uni and it sounds silly in terms of just making food, but it takes a lot of time and especially if you're training all day and not having set meal plans, you're sort of eating one offs and you're eating the mm-hmm. wrong thing. And then you're training poorly because you've got the wrong food in your body. And that was something I was awful for. And I think to a point on my shoulder surgery. I think I went shoulder surgery and then I went ankle surgery and my body fat before was around 12% and it went up to about 23%, which was a bit foreign to me in terms of I've always been like the skinny guy and mm-hmm. then put on weight and was a bit here or there with what I was eating. So having you help me and sort of push me through, even if it was just small things, like helped massively. And I used mm-hmm. that plan. I've still got it on my computer to today, like mm-hmm. religiously okay. and what I did when I was yeah. at university. But yeah, um, in terms of, explaining what you do as a nutritionist if someone was to join on as a client today what could they expect when they sign up for scoop nutrition
1: uh a range of things really uh so performance clients we usually start with looking at um like where they are now what they're doing now I would start with a little discovery phase um because as like well and good it is having full-on meal plans that gives people and tells them exactly what to do It, it doesn't really install that much autonomy or understanding of why they're doing the thing so Mm -hmm. that's definitely a big part of how I coach is is giving lots of people education so you understand like the what and the why um and with the what and the why is is what they're doing now why are they doing it and diving into the why is is definitely a big part of it and understanding kind of people's perceptions around food and why they think the way they do Mm -hmm. um will likely look at kind of what they've done historically and and what was it like growing up what was food like when they were growing up did they get any like nutrition support from like academies or whatever that may be, just understanding that um, would we'll then probably look at, so first up I guess will be energy intake, just ensuring that that's that's level where it, where it needs to be. That's going to be the most important thing for performance. Uh, looking at macronutrients, micronutrients, and that's often where people's perceptions come in of like, oh, carbohydrates good or bad? And um, I pretty much always end up upping people's carbohydrates mm-hmm. to, to get them to, to perform better. Yeah. And that's, I think, where the, the mentality comes in, comes into It's just people's perceptions of certain things and how it's going to impact them. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we've kind of nailed some of the basics, we'll be looking at sleep as well, ensuring that we've got recovery protocols in place, what is their sleep schedule like what are routines like um because this ultimately sleep is like the, the greatest performance mm. enhancer greatest life enhancer so looking at um everything to do with sleep then we'll come on to things like match day what's eating on a match day plus one minus one um and supplements and and things like that mm. so if there's any injuries around as well that probably happens earlier on we'll look at um nutrition for injuries so as you say if i think a lot of people like you will end up gaining weight throughout that process mm um and that can be super difficult to deal with so it's yeah it is yeah 100 percent and so it's it's looking at one how we can manage body composition because if we're ultimately when we're recovering from an injury the goal is still performance like you want to get over your injury to then perform well mm-hmm. so if we're able to maintain body composition um then we're going to be in a better place to, to perform better when it when it's kind of over so again it's looking at the the mentality around injuries of is it like a fuck i i'm going to do whatever i want because i can't play And so it's, it's how do we manage that? Is it how, what else are they doing outside of um, rehab, outside of training, nutrition? Because you're not going to be able to have as much fun as you can when you're like with the boys, when you're training, there's so much missing. And so a lot of what we do is outside of that then, like, okay, what are your hobbies? And the amount of times I ask athletes that like, okay, what do you like outside of what you do? And people just don't know. People don't know what they like. Mm. Um, I mean, you've got this, which is sweet, and, and I know you've got like other stuff. Yeah. So, but it's it's definitely a, a big thing that people just don't know don't know what they like doing outside of the the day to day.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think for me personally, with like what you touched on before, especially with my shoulder, the first time is I used it as I, I'm bad at not doing things. Like my mm-hmm. ADHD makes me very bit. Mm-hmm. Always doing, always doing, and then I get mentally drained and yeah. blah blah blah. But I felt like with my shoulder, I sort of used it as an excuse to to not do anything if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, I moped yeah. around and I was like, oh, my shoulder, blah blah blah. But when I was in the club and I was working, like I was working hard and I was mm-hmm. making sure it was spot on. But outside, I think that was a really important lesson. Was when it came to nutrition, when it came to sleep, when it came to you know alcohol. I had, I, I wouldn't say. I was, like, out of control with it, but, like, I didn't didn't really care. And mm. I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, I've yeah. always had low body fat. Like, I've always been a good athlete. Like, oh, it won't affect me. And it hit me really quick. It hit mm. me really quick, and that's when I was a bit like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, I need to sort this. And especially going into my ankle surgery this time, it was something I had in the back of my mind where I mm. was like, I can't sort of fall down that same trap. Mm. And I learned to enjoy the process of it a bit more yeah. in terms of you don't need to eat. Chicken, chicken, broccoli, yeah. and rice. Like, yeah, that. and that's what that's what all of us were really doing at uni, and a, a lot of the boys yeah. still do that to this to this day. Yeah. And
1: so many athletes are exactly the same. Mm. Yeah,
0: it was just having that sort of variation. What we've got here, for example, you've got quick, easy meal ideas, and you've gone tuna mayo pasta, yeah. like really quick, simple, a mini roast dinner. Cook your frozen roast potatoes and pastas in the oven together, and cauliflower cheese in the microwave. Either buy a whole cooked chicken or cook it and have the rest. Spread out over mm-hmm. the week, and it was things like that where I was a bit like you've made it sound so simple, yeah. But until someone puts it mm-hmm. that simply, you don't really think about it, yeah. And that sure. was like massive for me in terms of my injuries and stuff. So, I'm um, a massive thank you for that. Um, obviously, this podcast is based around mental health, it's called Inside the Mind. So, I was gonna ask you in your professional experience. Um, can improve nutrition help with anxiety and depression symptoms?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's very like multifaceted and I think one definitely impacts the other and vice versa. So if you're naturally like drawn to processed foods, if you're eating, um, like minimal whole foods, not much fruit and veg, you're bound to physically not feel great. And that will naturally mean you probably mentally don't feel great too. So it's how can we like bring in whole foods and simplify it as well, and, and and as you kind of say, like it can seem overwhelming, seem complicated. Either it's chicken broccoli rice, or it's like what well, I, I I don't know. So it's it's how can we make things simple and that makes you feel better physically that will no doubt impact your mental health Mm. um and equally not being scared of certain foods i think so much of the anxiety that i see with people and and athletes and just general people who have a poor relationship with food is just their perception of how like foods are good and bad and if they eat them then they feel bad and that Mm. that plays into their anxiety um so it's it's such a intertwined relationship between the two um, which is certainly fascinating and i think people probably underestimate the your perception of foods and, and how your, I guess your relationship with food is your, is a, a, an accurate representation of your relationship with yourself. Um, so by eating kind of whole foods, by understanding like what different foods do, um, will, will definitely, and I've definitely seen it happen and just like improve anxiety and just having less stress around food when we simplify it and we bring it back to basics, yeah. um, no doubt, yeah, makes people feel considerably better.
0: Do you think there's any foods that people should you know, if they are struggling with their mental health, just try mm-hmm. and cut out and be like, or, or minimize, not cut out fully, but mm-hmm. in terms of like processed foods, high sugar, things like that, would there be anything there? I'd say,
1: I guess my approach is always what can we add? And it will likely okay. be as a byproduct, those things might naturally decrease. So if someone's finding themselves that they um, will often reach like uh, a takeaway or like McDonald's or just heavily processed food because that seemed like the easiest option or they don't know what else to do. So rather than being like, right, we need to reduce that, it's like, okay, what what can we do instead? Or what can we add to that? And sometimes it might even be, right, let's, we're gonna get a takeaway, can we add a side of veg to it? Um, and doing it that way, mm. because again, I think it plays into the whole like, I shouldn't have this, I can't have this. And it goes into that like guilt cycle, which generally just makes people feel shit. So in terms of like specific foods, I mean, at this point I'm pretty sure we all know that like ultra processed foods probably not ideal just for, for health if we're eating mm. them on a on a regular basis, like and making up the majority of our food. And going with the whole like 80-20, like eighty 80% percent of foods that fuel your body, fuel training, fuel um just general life, and then twenty percent of foods that are actually you just enjoy them, you eat them because they taste good or um for like social occasions or all, all that kind of other stuff. So there's there's never gonna be any specific foods where I'm like, Yeah, you need to you need to cut out or or reduce if it is naturally going to depend on on where people are starting but I'd imagine a lot of the people that who listen to this podcast are probably already invested in their health mm-hmm. probably know that a diet made up of like all saturated fats loads of processed foods isn't gonna be helpful mm-hmm. so it's I'd say and I one of my biggest things I do is is it tends to be like male athletes here maybe like early mid-20s just don't eat veg don't eat any veg so i'm bad for <laughs> there we go so um what can we do then so like regardless of kind of what they're doing is right let's let's just see if we can work on that let's see if we can increase your vegetable intake mm-hmm. diversify what you're eating get different colors on your plate um i mean like the the ultimate goal is probably to consume 30 different plant foods every week so that could be fruit, veg, but it's also like legumes, beans, anything that kind of comes from the, from the ground. So it also includes herbs and spices, but we tend to include those as like maybe a quarter of a point rather than one, because we just don't eat them in in an abundance. So for a lot of people, 30 plants is a, that seems like a lot a week. When you actually break it down, it's actually not that bad, but if, if it still seems overwhelming, it's okay. Can we get to start off with, um, five a day, the standard government guidelines, can we get five a day? Ideally, three veg, two fruit would be sweet. If that's easy, can we get it to, so five veg, three fruit, so we're getting eight in there, Um, and just gradually building up like that. Mm-hmm. again with practical things like what, what's convenient is it mixed veg that you just shove in the microwave you're getting some variety in there but it just requires like 30 seconds of effort to put in the microwave for some people it might be that if they live on their own maybe the veg goes off faster than they want it to they end up with food waste and no one likes food waste yep. so maybe it's frozen veg um, and it's just looking at little practical ways that we can increase their, their micronutrient intake um ensures that there's there's no deficiencies which ultimately will will support health and then and performance Mm.
0: for myself like i'm constantly looking into i think i've 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 become a bit obsessed with (coughs) a bit obsessed with trying to better myself like Mm. mentally and physically now Mm. and i was reading i've got something here i was reading about mediterranean style Mm. dishes and that type of diet you know whole grains Mm -hmm. seafood Beans, nuts, and sort yeah. of incorporating that in for my mental health, but yeah. also my physical health. You touched on whole grains and mm. things like that before, but is that a smart move for me? Sort of adding that in to what I'm doing because I, I like to think I've got a hold like a hold of what I'm eating at the mm. moment, and I'm quite di- I've become quite disciplined with it in terms of I learned from my mistakes from when I was like, you know, seventeen, eighteen, where yeah. I, was, I could eat whatever I want, and yeah. I was like, this is brilliant, and now I'm sort of looking at introducing more things like a mediterranean style yeah. diet not fully but like mm. just incorporating to it uh, incorporating in slowly yeah. for my health what, what would you recommend on that aspect for me personally
1: yeah yeah um i mean the mediterranean diet is, is generally perceived as like a healthy one that um helps with like longevity um and so it's uh, as you kind of mentioned it's, it's a diet that tends to be higher in whole grains an abundance of fruit and veg um like fairly lean meats fish all that kind of stuff mm. um and if we're looking at what those are micronutrients if we kind of say um that can come in any form whether that is part of like a mediterranean diet but essentially adding adding um more vegetables is going to be a helpful thing same goes for fish um you're going to cover it, it kind of all just comes down to variety and diversity like we want to get as, as different foods as we can because we get a different nutrient profile and a mediterranean diet does that pretty well it tends to be um, higher in fat so we're looking at polyunsaturated fats monounsaturated fats so things like salmon or oily fish mackerel that's the polyunsaturated monounsaturated tends to be like your olive oil um nuts seeds all that kind of stuff avocado um so again those things incorporating those are, are also going to be super helpful um for, for overall health
0: mm, awesome um i was going to touch on this before as well mm-hmm. but you said with takeaways sort of looking to add on yeah not looking to sort of reduce mm-hmm. and I think that's really smart because I think for on a personal standpoint and like friends I know and like people trying to lose weight is mm. they strip everything down yeah and they do it stupidly and this is one of the <laughs> advice that you gave to me where you were like just look at making better options if yeah. you want to get that takeaway if you want to do this if you want to do that look at adding veg on look mm-hmm. at adding this on and that helped me massively being like it was almost like a bit of a weight off my shoulders not yeah. worrying like Oh no! I'm just gonna have to eat this, and I can't eat that. It was more just if I am gonna eat this, and Mm. I am just gonna make a smarter choice with it. Yeah, and that was like really useful for me. And I spoke to like my family about that, and Mm. and it was really useful when we like incorporated that into our foods and not feeling guilty about getting a takeaway and and things like that. Um, Mm. in in terms of protein, and this is something that's quite big in in the rugby world, and Mm. you know, taking loads of protein. I felt a bit. Not a bit rubbish doing that, but maybe feel a bit bloated and everything like the big protein shakes, etc. Mm. And I looked at more lean meats uh, like the chicken, all those types of things. Just just getting a leaner source rather than doing the supplements in terms of like big protein shakes and mass mm. gainers. If you were talking to someone who's at that point where they're a bit like, I'm taking this, but it's not making me feel very good, yeah. in terms of a food standpoint, what would you recommend in sort of increasing people's protein, because protein, um, what we were talking about before is shows it reduces anxiety and depression symptoms in people as well, mm-hmm. if done correctly. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear from I guess it's that. first
1: up, like, the intentions behind the protein, like, do we actually need it? Um, I've definitely worked with a lot of pro players who are who are eating, like, 250-plus grams of protein a day and, like, you just don't need to. Yeah. So it's first up, d- could we actually just take them out and, and be sweet with it? Like, are we fine? Um, if if you are looking to increase protein and hit hit certain targets, um, I get I also with that then we we probably don't need to go over more than maybe like two point two ish grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, maybe up to two point four absolute max. So
0: sorry, two point two grams of protein grams per, per kilogram of per body, weight. body yeah, weight. Yeah, So if,
1: so so if that's for like an elite rugby player who is mm-hmm. like training a lot, um, maybe increase it slightly pre season. You might need slightly more for the first couple of weeks um but in general like you you don't need any more than 2.4 like you absolutely just don't and it might be detracting from elsewhere and stripping your ability to get other nutrients in because it might be as you say like making you feel too full or just generally not making you feel good so first up is yeah intentions do we need this amount if actually we decide we do and the foods that we're eating just aren't making us feel great so one well, protein in general it has a higher thermic effect of food so you um burn more energy just processing it so i don't know if you've ever had like you know you go to those brazilian restaurants and they bring around like loads of stuff on skewers and it's just mm-hmm. unlimited meat um and you end up getting like the meat sweats <laughs> like yeah. that that's a like a legit thing it's a thing so protein um can be pretty taxing to break down particularly if you're throwing in like a steak which is going to be high in fat as well um fat slows down the rate of gastric emptying so it just takes a little bit longer to digest it yeah. so can just sit there for a little while and just generally not make not maybe make people feel great if we're looking at protein shakes sometimes it's the artificial sweeteners in them that just might not sit well with people mm-hmm. so you could try and go for a whey isolate which is lower in lactose almost lactose free um or like a plant-based one um or it's a i mean i say this all the time like so much of nutrition is trial and error compromise and it might be that if you're really really struggling to get protein a protein shake might actually be helpful and the um, compromise that we have is that mm, it might not make you feel great. Ideally, mm. we could find some some other food, but whatever the compromise might be. But so other things then Greek yogurt high in protein. He um, mentioned it like chicken is is a lean source of protein that might be easy to digest Mm. but it's going to differ for everyone and so going through that trial and error process is going to be super helpful having a few things how does it make you feel switching it out trying something else and and seeing how you go so yeah i guess to wrap that up then so intentions do we need any more um looking at portion sizes as well like you probably don't need like a 50 grams of protein in one go um so can we just reduce it slightly um, or switching up our sources, can we go for an isolate or a plant-based source? Um, I guess on that as well, I think people are scared of, of plant-based sources not being high enough quality and um, not what you need for muscle protein synthesis. But if you get a decent quality and if you generally have just slightly more, you are gonna tick all the boxes and, and having that, having your protein from a, a plant-based source um, will have no impact on your recovery as long as you're ticking all of the boxes from an amino acid profile point of view
0: whey isolate that's like um a sort of juice form of protein right or am i wrong it's
1: that? it's basically whey just with like the lactose taken out okay. there's um you can get like clear whey which is more like the juice dump mm. and i think mm. most clear whey is an isolate anyway but uh, cool. yeah that for some people if you don't like the milky kind of normal way having yeah, a, a bit like that. yeah having the the juicy one is is helpful
0: yeah i, I don't know why I, uh, obviously everyone's different but for me like the milky kind of protein they just make me feel rubbish and they mm. feel really bloated i, I might have something like medically, because of that, which I mm-hmm. haven't found out yet. But um, you talked about see, this is something I do where you're like 50 grams of protein in a yeah. meal, and, and I found out your body just can't digest that, right?
1: Yeah, it's it, digest it, it properly. It can, it can digest it. It's, it's it will likely be a fair amount of protein to digest, but it's it's not that it can't digest it, but it from a muscle protein synthesis point of view so muscle growth point of view like you it's going to differ from person to person classic but it's usually around like 40 grams is the amount like amount that you use for muscle protein synthesis. so you'll still use the rest of it so the extra 10 or whatever it may be just for other like bodily functions all of our cells are made up of of protein so it will get used or you'll just pee out so it's it's you don't necessarily need 50 grams it's not the end of the world it's not going to be like detrimental or anything it's just probably slightly unnecessary and you're going to be better off just um yeah looking at maybe distribution or protein frequency rather than just getting a shit ton all in one go
0: so would you recommend maybe like splitting your meals up in terms yeah. of like for me personally uh when i was at uni especially in playing rugby i'd just go because it was convenient like either two or three absolutely enormous meals mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would just make me like lie on my bed afterwards <laughs> and be like oh why have i done that but yeah I'd always do that. And then probably my third year of uni, I'd, I'd split it up into five or six mm. smaller meals throughout the day. Yeah. And that's when I became a bit more disciplined and routine in what I was mm. eating. It made me feel way better and I, I shed body fat a lot quicker and I felt like I was getting back to me again. Mm. Is that something you recommend? If there was any like athletes yeah. out there who was trying to just pile in the food, would you split it up or would you just
1: Yeah, from a recovery doing? standpoint, splitting it up definitely makes sense. We're, mm. So... Um, So it's like the the muscle full effect is so kind of as we mentioned so there's only like a certain amount that you can use for for muscle protein synthesis then the the rest will get used elsewhere so there's no extra benefit of having like three lots of 60 grams um in one serving you don't get any any benefits than having like 40 grams three times a day the additional benefits come from actually having like spreading out a little bit better so going for more even distribution and having protein feedings like you say five to six times a day like spreading out between three and four hours um, is going to be yeah more optimal for muscle protein synthesis um we also have so the refractory period of leucine which is like the poster boy for um like muscle protein synthesis that muscle growth process um that's the one that kind of kickstarts the process and it takes it, it can take maybe like three to four hours for that to return to baseline so once it's spiked Um, so say like an hour later you have some more protein there's probably not going to be any benefit of that we need those levels to return to baseline in order to spike it again Mm -hmm. so yeah there's, there's more to it than just um, like total protein, I think if someone's struggling with protein, t- total protein is a good place to start, but if, like you say, if you're nailing three meals a day, we're probably, it's going to be more optimal to, to spread that out to, into five or six feedings um, for, for recovery.
0: You know you touched on, I think it was 2.2 grams per kilogram
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, for the protein,
1: yeah. is
0: there anything in terms of hydration, in terms of a calculation because I think for me hydration like, mm-hmm. is something I'm awful at and like I never really know how much I should be drinking yeah. or not, not what I should be obviously water and stuff like that but in terms of when I should be drinking how much I should be drinking mm. I, I, I never really know I just drink as much as I can but I find a lot of times at training I'm like really dehydrated yeah. when I go for a wee or whatnot and yeah. I'm, I'm a bit like is there anything you give advice on in terms of that especially for athletes but just normal people day mm. to day because I don't think it's that really spoken about in terms of like how important it is in terms of cognitive function and also physical well-being
1: for sure for 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 day-to-day aiming for the like two to three liters a day will be sweet you'll likely be fine yeah Yeah. if it's a little bit hotter um like it has been and i think it's gonna get hotter this weekend then sure if you if you definitely know you're sweating a little bit more than increasing that will be helpful for someone who is into their performance and is training a lot sweats a lot It can be super helpful to look at sweat rates as well Mm -hmm. so um i will do this with all my athletes so getting them to weigh themselves before a training session then monitoring how much they drink in a session and then weighing themselves again um and noting down just how long the session was as well and you can work out how much you sweat per hour and then it shows just how much we need to be replenishing that by or seeing if we can kind of just keep on top of it throughout a session so um it's actually rugby players have like one of the highest rates of, of sweat rate up to like two litres an hour. So sweating two litres an hour is a, that's a shit ton of water. So yeah, one, to try and drink in that time um, and, and generally replenish. But So yeah, figuring what that, out, that is and then you can go for more of a bespoke approach. Ideally, you want to be replenishing that. But as I say, two litres of water, if you're losing that in, in a an hour... If you're training from a, like mostly team sports, it's going to be very difficult to, to get that on. There'll be stoppages where you can get some water on, but you're unlikely to be able to, to get all of that in, in one go. So then prioritising hydration soon after. Most people know that like having food soon after training is, is going to be super helpful, but if you've just sweated a lot, it's been a really hot session, particularly if you're then training in later that day, then actually hydration probably becomes an even more important one because as you say, it does have a big impact on cognitive function, decision making. Um, and your, your abilities like thermoregulation. So it's super important. And things like electrolytes can be helpful then, uh, particularly if you feel like you're a salty sweater, but most people will lose a reasonable amount of sodium in their sweat. So we lose electrolytes, sodium, chloride, um, magnesium, potassium, a little bit of calcium. Those are generally the ones that we lose in our sweat. Um, But sodium is the one that we lose in most abundance and actually it's the most important when it comes to fluid retention. So whereas magnesium, potassium, um, we generally get in our our diet and we easily can. Sodium is the one that we want to be a little bit more timely in replacing. So having some electrolytes as you train and potentially as part of a recovery strategy as well. So sitting down with um, electrolytes or just sodium tablets um and i guess this is also where it differs from just gen pop to uh, people who are training on like up to elite athletes um the government guidelines are, are generally put a bit of i guess a little bit of fear-mongering around around sodium and salt um but if you are training you're excreting a lot more salt than just your average person who sits at a desk all day and you might need like a, a decent amount um I know you can get supplements which have like a thousand milligrams of sodium in, in one go, which is it like seems tablets. like a lot. Yeah. Or to be fair, most of them they end up being like sachets. Okay. Um, but you can get effervescence ones which you pop in fluid, or tablets that you swallow like a like a paracetamol. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, understanding what your sweat rate is. Um you can get like salt tests as well to see how salty your sweat is and, and to see what you entail that like electrolytes a little bit more specifically. Um but it probably is an underrated one I'd say. Um yeah, it does just have a massive impact on performance.
0: Cool. I'd love to hear your opinion on supplements. We spoke about it briefly before, mm-hmm. and it's obviously what the venture I want to get into at some point is mm-hmm. vitamins and supplements. And that's something I, I swear by, in my opinion. I've spent a silly amount of money mm-hmm. on trying to find the perfect vitamins and yeah. supplements, or what helps me in yeah. terms of my mental health and my physical health what would you recommend, and it, obviously, I think we spoke about supplements a year ago now, mm. and you were very, like, boyish on, um, boyish? Bullish on um, omega-3, mm-hmm. and you were like, this is really important, and vitamin D, yeah. I think, was yeah, the yeah. other one where mm-hmm. y- you said, especially in winter, vitamin D, and I remember mm. having that conversation with you, and I was a bit like, okay, I'll look into this properly. Mm what supplements would you recommend or supplements vitamins would you recommend in terms of performance athlete for physical health and mental health or just anyone in general watch out there who's interested in how they can better themselves
1: the three i always go with just for everyone and anyone are going to be vitamin d omega-3 as you say and creatine so vitamin d is uh, anyone living in the UK, we don't get a great deal of sun and even mm. in the summer we do, we wear sun cream, we are inside um, and so supplementing, particularly in winter, but potentially throughout the, the whole year, um, between two and 4,000 IU. so winter you might want to up it a little bit more, 2,000 in, in summer will likely be fine. Omega-3s, so in general, I always go with a food first approach, so if you're able to get these nutrients in through your diet, um, that's what we want to be doing, we're practical. Um, and i guess the where practical comes in with omega-3s in particular is like one salmon at the moment you low-key need like a small mortgage to go and buy some salmon it's so expensive (laughs) so sure we want to have like two portions a week but it gets pretty spinny um so one do you even like salmon it's a place to start if you don't then a supplement would be would be helpful um and we're looking for probably one to two grams a day there's some decent research around that as well with uh like muscle mass retention particularly in with injuries so um another helpful one for for athletes um but definitely one just for for gen pop um creatine so creatine is like the most well researched supplement out there um like numerous benefits such a kind of widely known for performance increased strength um power recovery um a little bit more on endurance now as well um but there's actually recently been a um, like a meta-analysis of all the studies on creatine and how it, and just more uh, data coming around its impact on mental health and the, the impacts that it has. Mm. So for sure, it's definitely one that I'd recommend for anyone anyone like athletic, but also the, the cognitive benefits. I think there's the slight limitations in the data that it's we need a little bit more on different age groups, but particularly in those who are older and potentially you have things like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, there's a little bit more emerging data on how they can support that. Um, uh there's also a decent amount on those who are on antidepressants and show like greater signs of lowering depressive um symptoms for those who are taking antidepressants um so definitely again really helpful with that in general the whole um yeah i guess it's just positive signs that creatine has a has a positive impact on anxiety and depression uh definitely more research needs to be done just to get a little bit more conclusive and, and seeing if it is different between males and females um, yeah, which it, it, it could well be. And, and the effectiveness of creatine supplementation on females um, might be a little bit less than males just because of like estrogen and other things going on. But there just needs to be a little bit more into it and particularly around anxiety and depression. But it's certainly an interesting, interesting yeah that for was emerging health.
0: Basically what I was going to expand into was what type of supplements would you recommend mm. for mental health in terms of anxiety and depression? Or mm. for me, in, with my personal journey in ADHD, mm-hmm. is I never knew creatine had any sort of cognitive, you know, mm-hmm. help with cognitive function, which yeah. is crazy. Because yeah. obviously when you think creatine, you just think big bodybuilders, yeah, like, yeah. or mm-hmm. rugby players, sure. takes creatine, wants to look a bit bigger and hydrate his muscles more. And that, that's kind of what my, you know, basic understanding of yeah. creatine is. But no, I never knew that, that's really interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's literally, well, it's a pretty new thing that's, that's kind of coming out, so definitely an, an interesting one to watch this space.
0: I had uh, a DM from someone the other day and I, I put a poll up on my Instagram earlier where people could ask questions of what they wanted to ask you. Mm. And one of the guys messaged me and he said he's suffering with insomnia. Mm. And insomnia is, you know, I don't sleep well because of my ADHD, but I'm, I'm getting a bit better with it and waking up to natural light. I've got a Lumi lamp, which sort of yeah. is, yeah. That's things like that, which I'm like really trying to figure out. I have sleep tablets, so I have five HTP melatonin in. Mm. And these are all things that are really helping me. But in terms of like a nutrition standpoint, mm. obviously you can take supplements or whatnot. But in terms of any foods, uh, in particular, which mm. he could take or you know incorporate into his diet to give yeah. him better sleep, what would you recommend?
1: Um, or in time of the a, day he's
0: eating as well.
1: Yeah, that's probably a good place to start. Actually, is looking how close to bedtime are you eating? In an ideal world, probably like leaving it two hours before bed would be probably ideal uh again if performance comes into it that might be a limiting factor and it might be a, a compromise that we have to make um but yeah I, and it might be that case say you have a late training session and you you get home at like 9 10 um maybe we have dinner a little bit earlier so you have you actually eat before you go to training and maybe it's just a quick protein shake mm-hmm. that's easy to digest and not like a massive load on the digestive system as you're going to bed so Timing close to, to bedtime, that food food close to bedtime is probably one to look at. Also, so these will likely all be trial and error again. Um, or might have more impact on some people than others, and again, practical sample just just might not work. So there is some research around like carbs before bed being helpful. Um, okay. Yeah, to I think it's to do with like, it. it so it, it's, it's something to do with like serotonin and it, serotonin is like the precursor to mel- melatonin which is the, the sleep hormone and how it like crosses the blood brain barrier in a similar way to, to tryptophan which is often found in like high protein foods and how that is the precursor to serotonin which is the precursor mm-hmm. to melatonin and it, it it can so tryptophan can cross the, the blood brain barrier and so can potentially help that um so having i want to say like the i remember reading a study around like Um, so tryptophan early in the morning, so a protein-rich breakfast, which again, I think probably a lot of people will do at this point. Um, So that is gonna be helpful. Also things like, um, so tart cherries, so Montmorency cherries are high in melatonin. um, So stuff like that might be helpful. HTTP, again, is a precursor to to melatonin. um, So things like that can be helpful. Magnesium, for some, often when people start supplementing with magnesium, um, they see improvements in sleep. It's, the, the research is kind of inconclusive, but it's generally in those who are deficient in magnesium. So, um, I mean, I'm always going to recommend, again, food-first approach to seeing if we can get magnesium in. Pretty much, again, just from that fairy diet, ensuring you're eating different plants, different vegetables. Um, but if you are um, deficient, then a magnesium supplement might, might be helpful.
0: Awesome. Right, so I've got some quick-fire questions which we put Next. together, and this is from my Instagram followers mm-hmm. and from my own personal questions as well so a bit of free advice for anyone out there Um, this is all to sort of help mental health and it's just gonna be yes or no quick fire rounds we'll touch briefly on it later on but Mm -hmm. does regular exercise have potential benefits for mental health yes can caffeine negatively impact anxiety levels yes is containing high amounts of saturated fats beneficial for mental health problems
1: no (laughs) (laughs) Go with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can excessive alcohol worse, worsen depressive every day? Can excessive alcohol worsen depression symptoms? Yes. Does consuming excessive amounts of vitamin supplements guarantee improved mental health? No. That was something I was big on because I, I thought it would for a while. Mm-hmm. Does a vegetarian or vegan diet inherently lead to deficiencies that negatively impact mental health for people?
1: Oh, it's a hard, hard, to be fair, I think I've done so well to take these quick answers. It yeah. depends. Um, we'll inherently, we'll no, after. I'll go with no.
0: Yeah. Does excessive sugar intake have a negative impact on one's mental health?
1: Mm. Oh, it's a really hard to say yes or no. It depends. Um, I'll go with yes as an easy answer.
0: <laughs> You're smashing this. Last one. Now, this isn't sort of a yes or no question, but if there were three vitamin supplements you say are essential in helping someone with their mental health, obviously we touched on it a bit briefly before, but if you could just go three, take onto a desert island for your mental health, what would they be?
1: Vitamin D, omega-3, creatine, for sure.
0: Awesome. So obviously we started talking about it at the start, but in order of becoming a performance nutritionist, Mm -hmm. what sort of spiked your interest in it, and why did you want to become a performance nutritionist? Because you said you were in marketing yeah. and made yeah, the career yeah. change.
1: Yeah, so I was in marketing. I knew it wasn't gonna be like a long-term thing. I didn't, I wasn't massively enjoying it. Um, wasn't like overly fulfilling. Um but then I had shoulder surgery and was off work for eight weeks um from from rugby good, good old rugby. Classic. <laughs> not not the rest of the shoulders. Shoulder yeah, sadder stuff. Um and so yeah, I had eight weeks off of literally not doing anything at all, probably similar to you, just like didn't really know what I was doing. Just um I think I couldn't drive so I just like walked everywhere and um had just had a lot of time to just think basically. Um, and that was that was when I decided then it was time to um, one. I just wanted to be able to support myself better through injury. Um, but that's that's kind of where I decided I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I may as well just jump and just dive into dive into nutrition and fully go for it. So having eight weeks off, um, I always say there's just so much opportunity in, in injuries and they're, they're super shit, but they do bring so much. They bring resilience. They bring um, for me brought a lot of education. I did a lot of learning in that eight weeks. Um, and understanding who I was like beyond rugby or just general, yeah, general life. So that's generally how I got into nutrition and then the hand sports massively sparked my interest in nutrition for injuries. Um, I've worked now with quite a few athletes who have had some pretty serious injuries and looking at nutrition strategies that can, can help support those things. Um, I think collagen is probably a big one that's relatively like new in, in the, in the terms of, of research with emerging. Um, evidence suggests that it could be super helpful for general connective tissue, so um, like tendons, ligaments, cartilage potentially. So looking at those and bring those into into people's days, um, and looking at when when they're having them. I think collagen is often for from more of like a beauty standpoint. It's people take it for that. It's probably I'd say mixed. I'm not definitely no expert on that. It's it's like fairly fairly mixed. But in terms of connective tissue and um, all that kind of stuff, it's definitely. Uh, it's definitely there and particularly combining it with vitamin C as well just helps the collagen synthesis and, and uptake so that's definitely something that I've looked at more more recently and if someone is struggling with tendinopathies or uh, maybe you did your ACL um, I definitely go on, on the collagen.
0: Mm. Cool also we spoke about um, and obviously it's on your Instagram at the moment if anyone doesn't have Sammy on Instagram I'll put her links below but you've got a new pre-season pre-season I package pre-season, yeah, pre-season program, pre-season yeah, program pre-season that's come program. out which is going to be pretty awesome so obviously yeah. it's that time of the year again <laughs> dreaded is. pre-season and you'll just <laughs> yeah what does that package yeah include, so it's eight weeks include.
1: of one-to-one coaching um looking to ultimately like boost adaptations from from pre-season it's there for a reason to get the most out of it this season particularly in rugby there's a minimal opportunity for for like gaining strength gaining size a lot of people actually lose size throughout the season so Preseason season is all about getting those adaptations. And so nutri- nutrition is there to support those things, but also just build some like sustainable habits, kind of like the stuff that we went through together of how can we build meals that are easy to do when you're knackered or you just can't be bothered um that are a little bit more exciting than chicken broccoli and rice so say so laying down some basic foundations like that of course looking at like nutrient adequacy um diving into what you're doing now um, with a bit of an analysis around that sleep analysis looking at macronutrient profiles probably periodizing them throughout the week depending on um the the level of training looking at carbohydrates when are you having them um tailoring those around specific sessions rest days all the kind of stuff uh, and then moving on to supplements and looking at what we can do to, to boost performance there. Um, and then looking at match day, what to eat on match day, um, what to eat during a match as well, trashy around that. Match day minus one, match day plus one. Um, yeah, as I say, a lot of people, particularly in rugby, will lose weight throughout the season. Um, and it's likely all down to the, not all down to, that's a bit of a, an overgeneralisation, but a lot of it is the the match day plus one where people aren't quite nailing. So it's, it's ensuring that we're, we're doing that. Um, and then anything else like there's a lot of myths, there's a lot of random like just stuff that that people do uh, still like so much of it is just the gym bro life, chicken broccoli rice tap everywhere, um and yeah I'm always here to, to answer the the questions that you're too scared to ask anyone else. Um, that
0: was a that was another Instagram question which I've got here, <laughs> and it was what are some s- some common misconceptions and myths about mm-hmm. nutrition that you yeah. try and debunk for everyone. So when we they're part we kind of we kinda mentioned team. protein
1: before like. Protein, you just don't need as much as some people are having. I think we've we've been sold the dream with all the marketing. Protein we protein this and that, everything. Um, so yeah, actually sometimes reducing protein intake can be more beneficial. It means we are able to get in other stuff. Carbohydrates being one of them. Big mess around carbs that they make you fat or they're just generally not good for you. But for any, so anyone who is performing to a, a decent level or just any kind of intense exercise, um, they're essential. Um, I think there's been a fair amount of research in elite athletes, both rugby players. Um, there was one on female. Um, I think it was the lionesses actually. And just no one's really getting close to the kind of the, the amount of carbohydrates that they theoretically should be eating and so much of it is some of it will come down to the practicalities of it and with carbohydrates comes fiber and that can be filling can make you feel a little bit bloated um but a lot of it is just down to the the mentality and perceptions of what carbohydrates are and what they do so that's that's definitely a big one in the in the performance world um whether it's a myth or i don't know it's just a done thing that i've seen so many just boring plates of food that look highly unappetizing bland yeah yeah (laughs) bland as hell so beige um, and that, yeah, you, you don't have to sacrifice, like, taste or or even, like, socialising, things like that um, are, are a big thing. I, a lot of athletes are scared to eat out or don't know what to do, don't know how to navigate eating out. So, uh, I mean, this because performance is so multifactorial, like, sure, nutrition plays a part of it, body composition plays a part, but you have to be your best self, and if you're unable to go and socialise with your friends or go into your family and eat a meal with them, that's obviously going to impact your performance. So it's looking at the, the multifaceted side of things, um, knowing that it just doesn't have to be boring. You can eat, there's more to life than chicken, broccoli and rice. Um, and performance comes down to an, a number of different things. And there'll be so many different tactics that we can employ to to be make you the best person and ultimately the best athlete you can be.
0: Mm. I'm going to touch on um, alcohol now. And mm-hmm obviously when you're in a rugby environment and I yeah. spoke about this on, with one of the guests I had on Joe mm-hmm. and we talked about being in a rugby environment it's quite like a lad culture it's mm-hmm. quite a drinking boozy culture and that's quite hard mm-hmm. when in terms of calories and in terms of tracking what you're eating because yeah. um, I could be mistaken here but isn't a pint of beer like 200 250 yeah. calories or something yeah, crazy yeah. like that it's a, it's a lot. and as a male on average I'm supposed to have 2500 there's a female. It's two thousand. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, like even those estimations are just like a, a very generic and just for standard. someone like you, yeah, training a lot probably going to need a lot more. But yeah, ultimately, fundamentally, there is a lot of calories in alcohol, and there is definitely um, a thing. But yeah, as you say, particularly in rugby, with, with just drinking as a as a culture, um, and even like pros and elite levels, there's it's still there, and so I think a big part of it is looking at the Identities that we have around it. So much of identities comes down to your how you think other people will perceive you. So if like it's a standard thing to to go like after game go drinking or whatever it may be. So much of it is we don't want to drink because we don't want other people to think like we're boring or whatever. So it's it's challenging those identities and thinking about what is the identity that you do want to try and create. Um, and just bridging the bridging the gap between that. It might be that you. You there might be an occasion that okay right I do want to have a, a drink and that's and that's cool. It's then right okay do I want the next drink? Am I having the one after that because I've already bought a round and I need to get someone else back? Am I having the one after because someone's giving it to me and I can't say no? So looking at the intentions behind why we're drinking, then like each drink, what is that? Um, is it are you there? Are you out? Are you out in the pub with your pals or maybe it's in the club? Um, are you there drinking just because it's just the thing that you do? It's just the the habit, it's the go to. Then okay am I actually here to socialize and spend time with my friends? Okay, do I need to drink because of that? Or am I there because I generally just really like the taste of beer, whatever it may be? So looking at the intentions behind it. um, But there is such a big culture thing, um, which is ultimately hilarious because every rugby player has the same thoughts. Like Everyone's (laughs) thinking that. Like Why why is this a thing? Um, But it's it's just breaking those down of, yeah, what is this identity you've created for yourself or you perceive to have? Um, Do you want to change it? How do we do that? Look at the intentions behind why we're drinking. And even then, there might be some, whether it's like a Christmas party or end of season do, and actually, yeah, you just wanna drink and, and sweet, fine. Again, we can look at the intentions behind each drink, would be great. Um, but I always say like the the basic minimum I wanna do is probably hydrate, get my athletes to hydrate in between if they can, or just, yeah, ensuring that they're um, like rehydrating the next day. Maybe smashing some electrolytes when they go home would be nice um yeah and, and managing the the next day then so what are they normally like on a, on a hangover um and i guess that's partly where we, we kind of mentioned it before like anxiety comes in and mm. the anxiety like associated with that so it's understanding the intentions behind it does alcohol actually serve you what do you gain from it and it's it does it serves it serves people it's a sociable thing to do and there's there's nothing wrong with having having alcohol it's just does it serve you
0: and having it in the right amount as well because yeah. that's something I'm awful with is for sure. I'll message my girlfriend about just going out for a couple with the boys will yeah. be pretty chill and then a, a couple turns to seven or eight and yeah. then that yeah. turns to a long uber home yeah and, and then so why do you on think that text, is like, sorry <laughs> why,
1: why does it go from a couple to seven
0: what do you think that is uh, I don't know I reckon it's a whole mix of things a bit of peer pressure yeah in terms of, you know, I'm awful when I drink, inter- I, I can handle my drink well, but mm-hmm. the next day, like, it really affects me for like yeah. two, three days afterwards in terms of like mm. my mental state, uh, how I focus. And mm. I'm, not, I'm not really sure what that's down to, probably sign a bit of immaturity through university. But, you know, you just think, I think for me, when I get to that point is I feel a bit awkward in myself. Cause I feel like everyone's on a different wavelength to where yeah. I am mm. and that sort of makes me feel a bit on edge when I'm around people and what we talk about is like they're seeing things a bit differently to me mm. and I think it's just being comfortable in yourself in mm. you know there's loads of like great drinks company like Spencer Matthews from Maiden yeah. Chelsea has his clean yeah. clean alcohol company like where it's zero alcohol but mm. tastes the same and there's loads of things that which I've tried and like, I do enjoy because I do enjoy the taste of like a Aperol spritz on like yeah. a sunny day or a nice cold beer when mm. after a long day. Oh, I love that. But yeah. I think it's, for me, now I'm sort of coming out of that culture yeah. of uni rugby and sort of into real life. It's, mm. it's getting a hold of that because a lot of times like an impulse buy five or six VKs in the SU and just be like (laughs) hey legend (laughs) yeah we've all been there (laughs) but yeah I think it's just like finding finding a balance between Mm. that and I'm getting a bit better with that with my mates and I'm definitely not no role model when it comes to drinking I'm not no angel at all but I think that's something I'm I'm getting to grips with a lot better and Mm. more better understanding myself and this is another reason why I'm or like taking this journey as such and mm. this is where I want to go in my life is I want to better understand myself and speak to people like yourself and you know the other guests I have on the podcast about how I can better like well be better in life and better mm-hmm. understand why I'm doing things why I'm sleeping poorly why my nutrition was bad and why how can I improve that Mm. or to better improve myself and then from that people will be able to learn and take snippets of what goes on whether that's 15 second clips watching the full hour of this podcast and for me that's just like amazing and in the fact that maybe I can help people out there and and I think there's a lot of lost people Mm. who are struggling right now and I was one of them for a long time and although it seemed like I was having a great time and I was playing rugby and you know a, a lad's lad and I have great friends great parents great family You know, I, I was lost for a, a long period of time and and I needed little videos uh little helpers little pointers try this try this mm. and now I'm able to sort of repay that back with my mistakes and what I've learned and speaking to people it's just Not um luck. it's been amazing but yeah I want you to debunk this for me and yeah. this is something we talked about just before we came on the pod but I read an article about a Japanese, well, article study about a Japanese cell biologist, and he's won Nobel Prizes and, you know, pretty well known um, in his space. And he talked about doing a 72 hour fast in order Mm -hmm. to reset your dopamine receptors. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, I thought with my ADHD, like, that's awesome because I doom scroll all the time I, I need hits of dopamine mm. and I thought this is something I could try but I wouldn't just want to do it like wake up tomorrow and go you know what I'm just gonna fast for 72 <laughs> hours today. without having any plan yeah. and obviously playing sport and stuff that could really mess me up mm-hmm. um mm. what would be your recommendations around that is that is that true and I'm sure it's true to an extent otherwise it wouldn't have been mm. published but in terms of yeah. being a nutritionist, is that a bit like, oh, nah, there's better ways, or what's yeah, your view? Yeah, I
1: guess it's like, it's never going to be a go-to for me, particularly working with athletes. Like, fasting just is, is just not going to work. So if it's... I mean, it's it's looking at, are there any like underlying things that we can do first that are going to actually help? And if we if you do this fast and you feel great, but then at what point like do things just go back to how they were? Mm. Um, so, and like from a practical standpoint... A lot of people will just find it difficult to do just around just life and then being an athlete as well you're like you're going to need to fuel for specific stuff um it's yeah i i guess to summarize it in brief it's definitely not something that i would do i get my clients to do mm. um i mean if, if people do it and it makes them feel good cool great sweet happy for them um yeah i think it's looking at the the pros and cons for each individual person what what could be the risks for that that individual um, but yeah, let me
0: know if you give it a go. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about... Obviously, I f- feel like I'd want a proper plan
1: mm.
0: around it, like I said before, like yeah. so don't just pass out. But one thing I meant to touch on earlier, I stupidly forgot when we were talking about sugar, is I suffer from... Well, not suffer, but I have low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And my dad's dad had low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in the gym mm. uh, at March on one day when yeah. I was under a squat rack. And yeah. I literally was like... I felt like my eyes closed in. I didn't really know what was going on. Mm. And and it wasn't even that heavy. It was the warm ups. And Mm. I felt like really unstable walking around. I felt dizzy. And that that went on for months. And I was like, there's something wrong here. Mm. Um, For me with low blood sugar, I try and stay away from sugary things Mm -hmm. due to my ADHD and anxiety, etc. But that's kind of hard when you have a low blood sugar at the same time. And yeah i've never really spoke about that in terms of what i could do to help would you recommend anything for me and i'm sure there's people out there with low blood sh- low blood sugar who are trying to not yeah. you know just have loads of packets of Harry haribos or you know mm. i found honey like, mm-hmm. worked for me on a pre-workout and obviously yeah
1: it's
0: not
1: i think like work. when it comes to sugar there's there's definitely a lot of just misconceptions around it and it's like people talk about like the highs and lows of blood sugar spikes and, and low blood sugar. And for someone who has like a normal functioning pancreas, normal insulin functions, and can regulate um, their like blood glucose levels, like sugar will be absolutely fine. Like it's completely normal for blood sugar to spike and then return to baseline. Um, So I guess that, that aside there, and it probably comes back to as well, like it's it's not like a thing that is gonna cause anxiety or make you or your mental health worse. Unless you're eating just sugar, then fair play. But again, right. So if you feel like you have something to, I mean, I come across so many people who are like I need to get a control of this sugar situation. It's not the sugar that's the issue. It's why they're having the sugar. So I know this literally isn't answering your question, but I'll, I'll get to it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's it's the why are they having the sugar? What's what are they masking? Is it because they're not eating enough in the day? Are they not their meals not fulfilling? Are they bored? Are they sad? Are they looking for just for for some dopamine? What is it? So yeah, the sugar itself isn't problematic it it might be that you you end up having sugar then it means that you, you're not hungry for your dinner then you don't end up getting the macronutrients micronutrients that you need in your dinner so yeah i guess t- summarizing that is there is nothing wrong with sugar it's actually super helpful for performance and as you say if if particularly for, for anyone even if you don't necessarily struggle with with a low blood sugar is from a performance standpoint it's super helpful to have some circulating glucose in your blood to to dip into when you're training um Honey is a good one, like you say. It could be that actually, yeah, Harry Bow is just an easy option. And coming back to kind of what we, yeah, what we touched on at the start and how nothing, no food is off limits. And if you struggle with your relationship with food, actually having these foods is a super helpful thing to do. Um, And knowing that, yeah, having them before you train is going to be helpful to, yeah, to to give you that quick release um, energy that you can metabolize quickly. Jelly babies are a firm favourite for a lot of people, Um, and it can be helpful to. If you struggle with like portion sizes if you feel like you can't have like a few and you end up eating the whole pack then this is a good way to kind of like challenge that knowing that what you're doing is actually going to be helping you perform better uh, it could be just some fruit as well if you struggle to get fruit in then actually having it intentionally around and training can be helpful as well from from sugars
0: like grapes
1: yeah grapes pretty high in carbs because I know um, Billy
0: in the at March on in the gym does mm-hmm. grapes with honey as yeah. it's like pre-work not obviously not like a pre yeah. pre workout type thing. But before he goes and works out he does grapes and honey is like a quick yep. energy burst. And exactly. I started doing that and that was
1: Yeah. yeah great. Yeah.
0: It's so simple but like Yeah, it's it's all really the same helpful. stuff.
1: Just anything that you can metabolize quickly. So so grapes with banana bananas are a classic. You often get those in um like at half time games, stuff like that. Um it's just anything that you generally consider sugary will be it means that we can metabolise it quickly. There's no our body will break down um like Sugar, processed sugar versus um like natural sugar in exactly the same way. So there's there's again I think people have the perception that natural sugar is is better. Um, the, the actual sugar content we process it in exactly the same way. Um, no no deals there. Fair play. There's going to be more nutrients in like fruit. The sugar side, you there's there's going to be more to offer than like a a jelly baby or something like that. But from a sugar standpoint, it's exactly the same. And I think knowing that as well, knowing that. Um, one isn't better than the other is a really helpful way to help that relationship with food. And again, if we're helping our relationship with food and it it gives us one less thing to be anxious about, then that's going to help overall wellbeing. Awesome.
0: I could obviously speak to you all day about all all this stuff and we've only got a set amount of time here, but I just wanted to end it on this. And obviously you've been doing this properly for three years now and you went through injury and you took all your learnings and sort of put it into the nutrition space. If there's anyone watching this who's looking to start out as a performance nutritionist or just nutritionist in general or someone who's struggling to find their feet a bit because that yeah. you know that happens a lot and you've done really well so far and you've been part of a great team down at March on now you've got your own business and you're flying through if you could give any piece of advice to someone who's you know maybe starting out or just struggling in this space what would mm-hmm. it be from your lessons and what you've learned and
1: yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take those two separately and say for any practitioner who's just starting out is just coach anyone, coach people, ultimately any athlete is a, is a person to start with and I think understanding a, a person and, and how behaviour change works and how our, our thoughts work, how we deal with negative thoughts, just getting to, to coach anyone, you'll start to, to learn that and understand how, how people work and then you can learn all the science, then you can go into the cool stuff and, and looking at the more specific athlete stuff for anyone who is maybe an athlete themselves, um i think looking at the why like we said um like whether it's the why with with you drinking and is it just because of the peer pressure is it just understanding why we do stuff is a super helpful way to, to to make sustainable habit change because we can we can employ loads of other things we can do lots of stuff um but if we don't know why we're doing them or if they're just a bit of a like acting like a plaster and not addressing the underlying solution it's not going to work and it's not going to work in the long run so understanding the why is a big thing and it's probably like a bit of a wanky thing to say it's like what is your why but like yeah actually it's just such a it's such a big thing um and i that's probably a big thing that athletes don't necessarily expect is, is is getting the the questions like that and understanding people on an actual personal human level rather than just the athlete looking to perform their best Love that.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Sammy.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: I'll just say now I'll attach all of Sammy's links below. If you want to get coached by Sammy from my own point of view, it was next to none. It was awesome. And she taught me so much about myself in terms of nutrition and just in general. Like we touched on understanding the whys of why we do things. Drinking, especially in a high high level rugby like culture, drinking is has been big so that was huge for me and getting taught about that from sammy but if you want to get coached by sammy she's doing the pre-season program at the moment which goes on for the next eight weeks so please get in touch with her or just in general if you want to chat with her her instagram will be put in the link below and i'll make sure to promote her best i can from there but yeah thank you very much sammy